كَمَا جَسْتْ أَزْ أَخْرَجَكَ He brought you out. رَبُّكَ your Lord مِنْ بَيْتِكَ from your house. بِالْحَقِّ with the truth. وَإِنَّ and indeed فَرِيقًا a group مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ from the believers لَكَارِهُونَ Surely ones who dislike. Surely ones who were unwilling. Now the verses, they speak about the battle of Badr. Remember that the battle of Badr was not planned from before. It wasn't that the Prophet ﷺ decided one fine day that okay, let's go fight the mushrikeen. And they made preparations for war. And the Muslims together left from Medina you know, with a strong army. And then they went to face the mushrikeen in order to battle them. No. Notice the words over here, كَمَا أَخْرَجَكَ رَبُّكَ Your Lord brought you out from your house. Meaning, the circumstances were created that you came out of the house seeking something else, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put you in that situation where you were facing the army. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created such circumstances that the Prophet ﷺ came out of Medina with a group of companions and what happened? They ended up fighting the enemy. They ended up in a battle. It wasn't pre-planned. It wasn't decided from before. Now what is it that led to this battle? What happened exactly? What is this ayah talking about? Remember that when the Prophet ﷺ migrated from Mecca to Medina, in that period of time, a little over a year, in that whole period of time, there were many, many times that the Makkans, they sent their spies, they sent their horsemen in order to observe the whereabouts of the Muslims, in order to see their activities, in order to harm the property of the Muslims, and also to cause damage to their lives. Which is why we see that multiple times it happened that a group of the mushrikeen came in contact with a group of Muslims outside of Medina, or someone from Mecca came very close to Medina, and what happened? They caused great loss to the lives and properties of the Muslims. And this is the reason why what happened was that the Prophet ﷺ regularly sent groups of companions in order to check if there was any you know, group of mushrikeen coming in order to harm the Muslims. So where the mushrikeen were active in harming the Muslims, the Prophet ﷺ also became very active in checking and making sure that there was no danger coming in. Alright? Now, what happened that in Sha'ban, the second year after Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ learned that a trade caravan of the Makkans was on its way back from Syria to Mecca. Remember that the people of Mecca had two trade caravans, annual, every year. They had two trips, and one of them was to Syria. All right? And this trade caravan was very, very important to the people of Mecca. Why? Because not every person could travel for the purpose of business. So what they would do is they would invest in that trade caravan. They would put in their share, people would go trade, the profits would come back and they would be distributed amongst the people. And if somebody had not invested in that trade caravan, at least they were expecting that soon this caravan would return and we'd be able to buy food. We'd be able to buy grain for ourselves. Because remember that nothing grew in Mecca. Mecca was, is a barren valley. Alright? So this trade caravan 
was on its way to Makkah. And the route was such that it was going to pass near Medina. When the Prophet ﷺ learned about this caravan, he decided that with a group of companions, they would go together and attack the caravan. Why? As revenge against the mushrikeen. Some scholars, what they've said is that this caravan in particular was of what? That the property that the Muslims had left behind in Makkah. Okay? The mushrikeen, they had taken over it. And then Abu Sufyan took a trade caravan to Syria with the property of the Muslims, okay? Belongings of the Muslims. And then with trade, he was bringing in prophets back where? To Makkah. Remember one of the companions, when he was leaving Makkah to migrate, the mushrikeen stopped him. And they said, there's no way you're going from here with all of this money. Either you leave all this money behind, or you die here. Or you don't go. So basically, what did he do? He said, fine, take everything. And he went empty-handed to Medina. He was someone who possessed a lot of money, but he had to leave everything behind in order to do hijrah. And he wasn't the only person who had to sacrifice all of his wealth. There were many, many people who left their houses, everything within their houses, in order to do hijrah to Medina. Alright? So the mushrikeen, when they lay their hands on the empty houses of the Muslims, they took everything, and they put everything together, sent a trade caravan to Syria, now all the prophets are returning, and the original money, who does it belong to? The Muslims. Alright? And even if everything did not belong to the Muslims, still, if you think about it, the Muslims and mushrikeen were at war. Alright? And in war, what happens is, that sometimes you are defending yourself, and sometimes you are attacking the enemy. And if the Muslims were attacking their trade caravan of the mushrikeen, it was basically to inflict revenge on them. Think about how much the Muslims had suffered at the hands of the mushrikeen in all these years. So much. So the Muslims had all the right to attack that trade caravan. Because some people, they object, oh, why did the Prophet ﷺ do that? They had all the right to do that. So anyway, when the Prophet ﷺ, the Muslims, they left and Abu Sufyan, he heard about that. There's a group of Muslims coming to attack the caravan. He sent word to Makkah. He said, I fear that the Muslims are going to attack me. So you please send some you know, group of men in order to protect the caravan. Now the people of Makkah, they all got flared up on hearing this news. Because remember, they had invested their money or they were expecting the profits or they were expecting goods to come to Makkah so that they could buy food for themselves. So what happened? Every single person of Makkah was agitated. Many people, either they went themselves or they sent somebody else. So a thousand people, imagine an army of thousand men, heavily equipped, they set out from Makkah in order to guard the caravan. But what happened that Abu Sufyan, he was a very clever man. What did he do? He changed the route. When he changed the route, he managed to escape the Muslims safely. So he sent word to the army, the thousand men who had set out, that go back, I'm okay. We're safe, now go back. There's no need to defend us. But Abu Jahl, who was one of those thousand men who had come to fight the Muslims, he said, no way. We've come out 
And now we're going to fight the Muslims. We're not going back. So he was determined. And so his people, they stayed along with him. And they camped at Badr. Badr is a place that is somewhere between Mecca and Medina. And he camped at Badr. Badr is basically the name of a well over there. So they camped at Badr. And now the Muslims were stuck. The 300 Muslims who had come out to attack the caravan, now they had an army of a thousand men to face. Thousand men who were heavily equipped, and here are 300 men without even enough horses and camels to ride on. Without equipment, without any weapons. So these 300 men, what happened? Some of them, they weren't very confident. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes over here. Allah brought you out of your house in truth for a reason. But a group of the believers, they were karihun. They weren't too happy about how the events changed. They were hoping to make money. But what happened? Now they had to face an army and probably lose their lives and the little that they possessed. So they were not in favor of fighting the enemy. What do we learn over here before we continue? That many times it happens that we want something, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a completely different plan. You set out of your house in order to go grocery shopping. But what happens? Something else comes up, something else that's far more urgent, far more important, and then the whole plan changes. You went out in order to spend a peaceful, relaxing, happy, fun day with your family. And it turns into something completely different. Hmm? But remember that even though it was not planned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created those circumstances. You were put in that situation for a reason. So what should be done? You get upset, you get grumpy, you grumble about it, and you get annoyed and irritated and frustrated and show anger? No. What should you do? Accept it. And think about what you can do in your situation. Let me give you an example. When we were traveling back this past break, coming back from England, we get to the airport and we find out that the flight is delayed by five hours. Okay? Now, when you have two little kids with you, and you realize that you're going to be stuck at an airport for the next five hours, trust me, it's not easy. It's a very terrifying thought. Okay? And at that time, one reaction is that you start getting upset. That why did this have to happen? And what are we supposed to do now? And you start freaking out. And because of that, your patience level goes down, and you start getting irritated. Every little thing that your kids do. Okay? Or you think about, okay... Now this has happened, um, what can we do? What do you do? How do you spend this time in the most productive way? So what happened? We thought that, okay, we'll leave the airport, we'll come back. But then we realized that no, the airport is very far from where we were living and there's no way that we can make it back in time. We might get stuck in traffic and miss our flight. So we said it's best to stay at the airport. And we didn't want to go through security because we had a feeling that if we go through security, we're going to be stuck inside and the children are going to go crazy. So we said, okay, might as well spend as much time outside as possible. And then we asked somebody and they said, no, no, you go through security and inside there's a lot of stuff to do. We're like, really, how is it possible? But we said, khair, inshallah, doesn't matter. We had our breakfast and we went in. Went through security. 
And when we get there, we see there's a huge play area for the kids. Okay? And there's comfy chairs for the parents, okay, to sit around that play area. And we said, okay, fine, we'll just go there. So the kids played and played and played. It was early morning, by the way. And then they were tired. So we went, got some lunch, we ate, everybody together. And then there was a lounge over there, complete privacy. There was a room that had curtains, imagine. So we went there, there's bean bags on the floor, and there's nobody, nobody in that lounge. And imagine I could just sit there without my naqab, you know, eating there. And the kids got to rest because they were exhausted. And then finally, when we boarded the plane, they slept. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. And you know what? If we got onto the plane first thing in the morning, and the kids are stuck in the airplane for seven hours, and they're full of energy, you can imagine the noise level, and you can imagine the frustration level. Right? So this is just a small example. Many, many times it happens in our lives that things don't go as planned. And we generally get upset. And it's not going to get you anywhere. What's the best way? What's the best way? You say, okay, this has happened now, what can we do? Javika? Assalamu alaikum. Sometimes we think we will make good plans. So I'm telling my one story. The first week of uh, January, in the workplace, there is very hard to take vacation or take off. So I booked my vacation for the second week of the January. Okay. I booked my vacation once, almost three months before. And I have one class, which is I was waiting for almost four months to take the class. So I register for this class. I pay everything. So I take my vacation one week before. Um, I talk here with the school. I said, I'm, I'm not going to come for the class. Everything's going so smooth. Everything's perfectly fine. The whole so plan is set. All plan is set the way I want it. So what happened? Guess what happened? So I came <laughs> out and slept on the highs and I fall and I hurt my back on my hips. So I was left all this one week I take vacation, I was under my back. I cannot move, I cannot do anything, I cannot even go, except go washroom, make wudu and come pray. That's all my life. In my situation for myself, I did perfect plan. But after that, I realized Allah is the greater plan. Maybe whatever I plan, it wasn't good for me. So Allah knows what is best for me, so they gave me. This my vacation, I didn't even think I spent my vacation because I never have a vacation for a long time. I never even think my vacation will be on my back. So, so we have to accept it, whatever is Allah plan. Yes. So he's the great planner. Very I think I need the rest for all this year. Yes. So Allah yes, gave me this. That is, I was just going to say that. Because what happens with many women is that as soon as their break comes, they start working even more. Right? They start working even more. Like for example, I know that when I have a day off, what I do is I clean. And I do all the laundry and the vacuum and everything. And by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. But what happens is that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates such circumstances that you're not able to do anything that you had planned. And something different that happens was what you actually needed. What you actually needed. So at that time, perhaps you needed that rest. Hmm? Which you weren't going to let yourself have otherwise. So the best thing to do in these situations is that we accept the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, this is what it means by رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيَّا I'm happy with Allah as my Lord. He decided this for me. Insha'Allah, there is going to be khair in this.
Now think about it. If the Muslims manage to attack the caravan, okay, you think the mushrikeen would ever spare the Muslims? If a thousand of them instantly got up, equipped, fully equipped to fight the Muslims, can you imagine what disaster would have happened if the Muslims actually got the caravan? How many mushrikeen would have come? And would they just battle them in the desert? Or would they go in Medina? In Medina and attack the Muslims in their houses? They would not spare the Muslims at all. And the Muslims at that time did not have the strength to fight the enemy. They didn't have that much resources, that many numbers. They lacked the resources. So sometimes we have our eyes set on a particular goal, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows whether or not we are ready for it. We are not ready for it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not enable us to achieve that goal. Rather, He puts us in a situation where we are dealing with something completely different. But you know what? That is a training for future insha'Allah. That is what you need most at that point in time. Also, what we see here is that the Muslims, they came out of Medina hoping to get the caravan. And the caravan was easy. Okay? As opposed to the army. So they wanted to continue you know, towards the caravan. They didn't want to fight the army. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted them to fight the army. So the Prophet ﷺ said, forget the caravan, we're going to go deal with this army now, with the enemy that has come to fight us. And some Muslims, they were hesitant. They were karihun. They said, no, we don't want to go there. This is not what we planned. We should go for the caravan, not the army. Now sometimes it happens that you're in a situation where you have a choice, either between something easy or something difficult. Something fun or something boring. Like for example, you have an assignment due. You have a test. You have your lesson. And then there's also a party. There's also a TV program coming up. There's also this movie, three hour long movie, that's coming on the television for free. Come on, Saturday night. And you also have your test to study for. So the heart, it is pulled towards what? What is easy. But many times what is necessary is that we focus on what is more important, even if it's difficult, because it will pay off. It will pay off. Right now you'll have some fun for three hours, but then you know what? You'll have to study for perhaps five, ten hours later to make up for that test. If you studied now and passed it, it will be much easier. And if you defer it for later, you say, no, no, I'll give it later, I'll give it later. Then you have five, ten tests to make up. Hmm? So the nafs pulls towards what is easy, but you have to control it and do that which is more important. Assalamualaikum. In regards to retests, it's actually funny that the retests are a lot harder than the tests we do on the day of. I missed one for an emergency once, and I remember when I came back to do it, I was so lost because it had been so long since I had mm-hmm. one finished the juz. Like this was the sixth juz test. And I was doing it a few months later and it was like, it's really one hard to remember it after everything else has gone by. And how the group in charge put harder, <laughs> the harder verses and the harder words on it. So it's just so much more difficult to yes. defer something than it is Very to do it right then and there. So we have to suffer one of two pains, right? Either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Either discipline yourself now or regret forever afterwards. So hold yourself, control yourself, do what is important, and realize that inshallah there will be khair in that. 
Allah says, يُجَادِلُونَكَ They were fighting with you, arguing with you. Imagine these were sahaba, arguing with who? The Prophet ﷺ. Some of them. That no, we're not supposed to go and fight the enemy. How can we fight them? We're only a few. There are a thousand. We're not strong enough. And we didn't come out of Medina for this purpose. We should be going to face the caravan. So, يُجَادِلُونَكَ فِي الْحَقِّ Concerning the truth. Because the command had come from Allah. It was the truth. بَعْدَمَا After that, تَبَيَّنَ It had become clear. Meaning, the command of Allah had become clear. Because the caravan had escaped. It was not possible to go and reach it and attack it. Now, what lay in front of them was the enemy. So, يُجَادِلُونَكَ فِي الْحَقِّ بَعْدَمَا تَبَيَّنَ And many times it happens that when we don't want to accept our situation, even though it's very clear, then who are we harming? Ourselves. The best thing for the servant is to accept the reality. Accept the reality. When you'll accept it, you'll be able to move forward. And if you don't accept it, you're keeping yourself behind. يُجَادِلُونَكَ فِي الْحَقِّ بَعْدَمَا تَبَيَّنَ كَأَنَّمَا As if it was that يُسَاقُونَ They were being driven from سِينْ وَاقَافِ or siniyaqaf, siyaqa is to drive, as if they were being driven ilal maut to death, wahum yandurun, while they were looking. Meaning they were so upset, they were so afraid, it was as though they were being led towards their death. And this is why they were not happy going with the Prophet ﷺ to face the enemy. They were reluctant. كَأَنَّمَا يُسَاقُونَ إِلَى الْمَوْتِ وَهُمْ يَنْظُرُونَ Now what do we see here? That there are Matters which are pre-planned, decided from before, and when the whole planning is done, then everyone is on the same page, everyone cooperates with you. But sometimes, things are not in your control. And no matter how much planning you've done, your plan fails, it falls apart. So at that time, the person in charge has to take some decision and he has to come up with some plan B, or he has to change the strategy, change the plan completely. Why? Because things are not in his control. He is in that situation, and the only option that he has is to change the plan. Now, at this time, there are some people who cooperate, and there are others who say, no, this is not what we agreed with. So we're not coming along with you. We're not going to continue with you. They say either it's my way or it's the highway. Either you listen to me or I'm not coming along with you. And they continue to argue, they continue to fight. But the thing is that when people are working together and the leader, he decides that we have to change our plan, then what should be the reaction of the followers? Of summer and ta'a. Of hearing and obeying. Because the thing is that when people are working together, there will be times when you will think differently from those who are with you. Right? Even in a family, a husband and wife, they agreed to marry each other, which is why they got married. Right? But then what happens after some time? The husband says something different and the wife says something completely different. And if they say, well, we think so differently and this is the reason why we cannot get along anymore and this is why we have to go our separate ways, then what is this going to result in? The woman has to deal with the children all by herself and she's not capable of doing that. 
Or the man has to deal with the children because he gets the kids all by himself and he's not capable of doing that. Huh? I'm not saying that divorce should not be an option at all. That is in serious cases. But unfortunately, over petty issues these days, people are walking out of their marriages. People are quitting their work. Why? Because I don't get along with this person. I don't get along with this person. But remember that we have to learn to live with people and work with people despite our differences. Because if we don't develop the skill in life, remember we can never ever go far. Nothing will work out. Neither a marriage, nor a friendship, nor a household, nor a workplace. Nothing at all can work out if we don't learn to live with differences. Everybody is not the same. Everybody does not think in the same way. Sometimes you'll be heard and sometimes somebody else will be heard. Sometimes your suggestion will be accepted. Other times somebody else's suggestion will be accepted. Sometimes you'll go along happily and sometimes you'll go along with difficulty. But if you keep going, move past the differences, eventually you'll get somewhere. But if you get stuck and say, Oh no, they don't have any respect for me. You know, I'm just a pushover here. I have no value here. Then you're not going to go any far. Yes. Yes. Exactly. When you agree to disagree, then you find the middle ground. Then you find a way in which you can work out, in which you can stay on the same page and solve your problems. So this is a very, very important skill. But unfortunately, we become stubborn in our ways and we say, no, it's only this way. And this is why we see so much disunity amongst the Muslims. An organization is started and then people split away. They start their own thing. And then that splits further. And you know they start their own thing. Division, division, division. Resources are divided. People are divided. Which is why our efforts are so scattered and they hardly produce any positive result. Assalamu alaikum. In English class, my teacher mentioned to us that many people would go to court to seek a divorce, but when they took 70% of those people and had a workshop with them to talk out their problems, 70% of them decided not to get a divorce after that. Yes. So it's just about learning to deal with other people, solving the problems, but that can only be possible if people agree to speak. You know like what's happening in Syria? Finally, they've managed to make the two sides sit together and talk about the problems so that we can come to a solution. Because imagine all these years, they haven't had even a single proper discussion. And so many people have suffered. Now this is at such a large scale. But sometimes within our families even, what happens is that we don't communicate the problems. We don't discuss them. When we don't discuss them, how can we solve them? We keep grudges in our hearts. We show anger. We become moody. And the other person has no idea what we're going through. And luckily, you know, Muslim community is so divided. And the Sikh community and Chinese communities, they are so strong. My daughter is working in a daycare. She told me that the, they are allowing one the, or the daycare teacher to read the rhymes in Chinese language. And the Sikh community, they are having all the language permission from the board to teach them in the school. Yeah. Their language are, have been teaching in Canada. Yeah. And we... We are divided everywhere. We are just saying, oh no, no, we're Pakistani and we're Arab and we're this kind of Arab and we're this kind of Pakistani. We're Indian and we're Hyderabadi and we're this and we're that. We're so divided. 
so divided, we don't know how to work together. Each person is stubborn on his ways. I agree to the part that we should discuss problems and everything. But then I don't like the fact that sometimes people, because of that nature that they don't want to keep grudges, they pinpoint every single little things. Yes. So where does Afu come then? Exactly. You know, it's not necessary that if something is you're bothered by, you have to say, oh, you know what, you did this, I really didn't appreciate it. I don't like that personality yes. either. Which is why we see that it's only the major, major issues which have to be discussed. If you don't discuss it, you're not going to solve the problem. Assalamu alaikum. Many of my, the people I know who are divorced, many years down the road, if you ask them, most of them will regret the hasty decision that they took because the, it affects the children's personality and the woman battles it all alone and she says, I would have just taken that and got on with it yes. if I hadn't let my ego come in the way. Yes. Recently somebody asked me that their son divorced his wife how many times? Three times in one setting. But what he did was that each divorce paper, he filled it out three times. So you see a total of nine times. Okay? So that he would say, no, no, I gave talaq three times and each talaq was three times. And now, he's looking for fatawa that somehow he can take his wife back. Can you imagine? It's so common, unfortunately. People give divorce, 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 one after the other. And sometimes it's not the man, sometimes it's also the woman who insists on getting divorced and when she's given that divorce, then she sits there crying. What's going to happen to me and my children? What about my future? My whole life is ruined. So really, it's about learning to live with differences. Life is not perfect. In your house, aren't there times when you don't agree with your parents? Aren't there times when you don't agree with your brother, with your sister? Do you say, mom, I'm never going to talk to you again? And my brother, I'm never going to talk to you again? If you start doing that, then you are not going to have a family. You're not going to be left with a family. Why is it when it comes to marriage, unfortunately people think of divorce instantly, immediately. Some people, they look at problems as signs, you know, we should split up. And other people, they say, okay, problems, they've come up. How can we solve them? Agree to disagree and we'll find the middle ground. So we see that many sahaba, they did not want to go along. They were reluctant. They were even arguing with the Prophet ﷺ. And they felt as though they were being taken to their death. But there were others who remained firm, who supported the Prophet ﷺ. And because of their support, what happened? The others also agreed. For example, we learn that when the Prophet ﷺ realized that now they had to face the enemy, he asked the Muhajirin, the Ansar who were with him, that what do you think, what should we do? And he kept asking, he kept asking. And then Sa'ad bin Mu'ad, eventually he got up and he said, O Prophet of Allah, it appears that the question is directed to us and you want to have our answer, the Ansar. He said, perhaps you think, O Prophet of Allah, that the Ansar have offered to help you on their own territory only, meaning only in Medina. I want to tell you on behalf of the Ansar that you may lead us wherever you like, align with whom you may desire or break relations with whom you may think fit. Meaning, make alliances, whichever tribe, break those alliances within any tribe, 
You decide whatever you want. You may take whatever you desire from our property and give us as much as you want. For whatever you would take from our property would be dearer to us than what you would leave for us. He said, we will follow whatever you command us to do. By Allah, if you go ahead until you reach Bark Rimdan, we will accompany you. And by Allah, if you march into the sea, we will also do it with you. They showed their utmost support, utmost cooperation. Also we learn, Ibn Mas'ud said, I was a witness to something that Miqdad bin Aswad did, that I would like more than almost anything else to have been the one who did it. Meaning I wish it was I who did it. Miqdad came to the Prophet ﷺ while the Prophet ﷺ was making dua against the mushrikeen. And he said, we will not say as the people of Musa said, فَذْهَبْ أَنْتَ وَرَبُّكَ فَقَاتِلَا إِنَّا هَاهُنَا قَاعِدُونَ We're not going to say to you that you and your Lord go fight and we're sitting here. No, we are with you. We are with you. We will support you. We will go along with you. And this is the attitude of who? Those people who take ownership of the work that they're doing. Those people who take their families seriously. Who take the matter of their children seriously. Who take, you know, their work seriously. Who don't view the work as somebody else's. Who don't view their children as the husband's children. Who don't view their house as the husband's problem. No, it's my husband's problem and my problem. It's our work. And when a person takes his work like this, it's my work, then he will get along even with the differences. Even if it's very, very difficult. Last comment? Yes. Go ahead. That many women, they love what's with their husbands, which is why they want all the money and all the favors. But when it comes to his jannah, meaning somehow he can make his mom happy and enter jannah, then the women don't like that. Right? That is where they say, it's his problem, not my problem. But the thing is that if you're married to him, it's your problem also. Both of you should be working together. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. كما أخرجك ربك من بيتك بالحق وإن فريقا من المؤمنين لكارهون يجادلونك في الحق بعدما تبينك أنما يساقون إلى الموت وهم ينظرون 